day, I attended the funeral of my little cousin, David. He was 17 years old, killed in Chickasaw Park after a gunman opened fire in a large crowd after dark. And we'll never know if he hit his target or not. But he ended my cousin's life before it could start. And if I was smart, I wouldn't be silent. I could run for office in shoes painted with stop the violence, get donations from big name clients and develop programs and run the pilots in neighborhoods that are afflicted by these tech nine tyrants, teen terrorists with no compliance of the law and whoever writes it, fuck them all. You better get a psychic if you want to know where they're hiding. But I actually found them at the funeral. They had spray painted tees and buttons carrying his likeness. I walked up to them and asked, hey, could y'all stop the violence? And he said, boy, we gang gang. If your little cousin saw his ops in the park, he would have done the same thing. So I say, no need to stop the gun violence. How about we keep it up until I avenge my cousin's death on some Macbeth shit. Let's heat it up until the little cousin of someone with some power feels a cut. Keep it up until we all lose a loved one to a gun and the empathy spreads across the hearts of everyone. Let's all have our gun violence story. Let's share them as icebreakers and see who got the coldest, whose story is the best, in a panic room office with a bulletproof desk, just in case the guy that just got fired needs to get something off his chest, see, he's the victim, he had to go, so he decided to take his co-workers with him, the disgruntled hiding under his suit and tie no longer seemed to fit him, so he bust out his AK in order to secure his pension, yeah, let's keep it up, outfit every classroom with a shotgun pump, replaced by with trigonometry, make the kids eat lead for lunch, make bulletproof backpacks mandatory, and <laughs> pardon the interruption. That was my big cousin crying, cause today he buried his son, but he sounds like he's the one dying, and I pray I never know his pain. To have your son slain in the name of a gang while a partition of family members walk down the center lane of a church he never went to. I pray his soul doesn't feel any flames, just a heavenly instrumental. I attended my little cousin's funeral today. His name was David. He was 17 years old. Welcome everybody to episode 57 of the Particle Sons podcast. I believe it's episode 57 might be episode 58 for real for real i cannot keep track and you know that's not a bad thing like i said you all i will do my best to bring you these um these shows weekly now i think i miss next week i'm pretty sure i miss next week uh or last week excuse me oh it's episode 58 i'm pretty sure i missed last week and my bad y'all i mean it was a crazy week to say the least it was a it was a an eventful week. What all happened last week? Let me look at my calendar. Um, well, the workshops have started at this school. And I'm not going to say the school because I don't need any smoke. But um, it's really cool. I've been teaching at the school for quite some time. I've been teaching at the school for the past, shoot, I don't know, like eight years. You know, on and off. Never, You know, sometimes they go a year without it, but maybe and up when it's time to get me back in there but um this school is an alternative school um i thought it was very interesting my cousin david he went to an uh what seemed like an alternative school because i ain't never hear of it. It, it, it it's in jcps and i ain't got his obituary with me and it's better if i don't say the school either 
Um, but he went to a school and it seemed like an alternative school because I've never heard it. And I just got done wrapping up um, a workshop uh, contract or um, session with another uh, alternative school. But this alternative school is like a behavioral um, school. It's like, you know, it's the school right before the pipeline. You know, or right before you go to jail, it feels like that's what it feel like in there anyway. But um, when I tell you this school and I don't want to use labels like bad. Right. We always say bad. And I'll be working in these schools because I know in these type of schools, specifically in, in these alternative schools, because I know, um, you know, ain't no such thing as bad. I, I promise you, I feel like every kid I've ever met except for like one or two, you know, has redeemable qualities. I've met some psychopaths. Like I've met some, hey boy, let me get on your good side types I have. But for the majority of those kids, man, they just got born into some weak circumstances, man. You know what I mean? Um, For instance, the alternative school that I'm teaching at now, um, this is a young man in the back of the class and he don't really, he don't really do much. He don't, he doesn't uh, do the assignments. He be like, he'll have his notebook, but he'll have his phone. I'll be checking his ass, you know what I mean? Like, make sure y'all put y'all phones away. And he, uh, the lesson was you had to write down the top 10 things that hurt you, like the top 10 pains, your, your top 10 pains. And he wasn't writing nothing down, and, you know, everybody else is writing. I go over to him, I'm like, you know, what's what's one of the pains? He said, I mean, my dad tried to, or my dad one time, he slammed me so hard that he almost paralyzed me. I was like, yeah, that's painful. You should definitely write that down. What else is painful? He said, well, when my dad hits me, hey, bro. I said, bro, you got so much poetry in you. I, I would love for you to write this down. Like, if you could write this down and it just be out, um, you know, I think that we can really work with you know what you got and that's just the small instance like I really run into that regularly in my workshops and if it's not like an abusive household it's like an impoverished household and I want you to not confuse conflate the two and also I want you to to conflate the two like there's a difference between poverty and abuse but a lot of abuse comes from pro- poverty Right. And poverty causes a lot of abuse and neglect and um, just problems in the mental development of our children and the mental development of, um, you know, ourselves. Shit. Ourselves. We'd be walking around with trauma, y'all. I mean, it's really why I got into art. Um, It's so funny. I just got done with this visual piece that I'm fucking with. I really like it, y'all. It's, it's, uh, I'm digging it. I've tried to, like, get away from kind of copying pictures that I find, just pictures that I like, and then copying them and kind of drawing and creating images from my own perspective and my own memory. So the memory that I decided to do this time was the memory of my mother, my mother leaving my father, all right? Um, and... 
you know, it it was something out of a movie. It's like, I, I don't know if everybody, you know, we're, our experiences are different, right? But my experience just so happened to be distinct. Like, I, I remember the day, like, we were at my grandpa Moe's in Detroit. In Detroit, and, um, and I'm sorry for hawking that loogie on the mic, y'all. My bad. Um, but, you know, we in Detroit, um, and... I don't know, it's an argument happening and I'm not really privy to the argument. Most of the time me and my brother sat in my grandfather's like living room with these velvet paintings of matadors fighting bulls and they glowed in the dark watching Harlem nights. You know what I mean? Like that was the experience. And then my mother said, you know, come on, she was flustered, you could tell. We got in the car and she had this like maroon car it was like a it was maroon inside and outside um and like my dad is I, I i don't remember all this part probably too traumatic but like he's it looks like he's coming down the street i guess like i don't know if he was at somebody else's house or somebody you know because this is a neighborhood my mother grew up in so like everybody on the street are friends and you know she came up in the 60s 70s in the 70s yeah 60s 70s so like you know it was a different time so anyway we get in the car and like my mom starts driving and my father is sprinting after the car right like I instantly in my head think like what first of all you're not faster than this car nigga so I don't think you're going to catch (laughs) I don't think you're going to catch us (laughs) I remember that distinctly, like, okay, he's definitely not going to catch us. Mom's is is sliding. Um, I remember crying. I remember Brandon, he wasn't looking out the window like I was. Like, I was in the back of the window crying, yelling, Daddy, Daddy, you know. Um, And, you know, my mom, she's straight looking straight ahead. So I think that I was the only person to kind of witness the defeat of my father. Um, and you know, I don't even know how that developed in my adolescence. You know what I mean? Um, actually I could tell you exactly how that developed in my adolescence, but I don't want to go that deep. Uh, the painting that I just did or the, the piece, the multi, the piece that I just did is that scene. And I just cannot stop looking at it. Y'all. I really like the piece. I doubt I'll ever sell it. You know, it's definitely going to be one of those passed down pieces, one of those cautionary tales. Um, And, you know, we all have our things. But back to the main thing I'm talking about, these alternative schools and the kids that come up in them. Right. I remember I mentioned my cousin David was um, at one of these alternative schools and. I never got to teach in that school, so Lord knows what I could have done if I could have, you know, been hired there or even knew he was there to try to, like, get my way in there. But um, the trauma, you know, of poverty, the abuse of poverty, I feel like, you know, to me it is the one thing that needs to be resolved before we can move forward in any capacity right you know i talk to a lot of people about their different 
you know, black liberation theories and kind of people liberation theories and all these things. And, you know, the whole idea of money and all this other stuff, that's the problem, right? I feel like ancient societies, you know, there was a trade that you worked in and, you know, you kind of made your money, you know. Um, yeah, there was monarchies and kingdoms and, you know, tyrants and all these other things all around the world. Everybody was practicing some some type of way to uh, govern people uh, and, you know, none of them really work. But, you know, money and impo- poverty wasn't one of those things, especially in like pre-colonial Africa. Right. And I'm not saying it wasn't at all. I wasn't there. I can't verify it for any trolls like you weren't there, Lance. You don't know if there was poverty. But I can tell you that I have traveled. I've gone to Senegal and I've uh, gone to St. Louis in Senegal and Dakar and, you know, Morocco. I've met people from you know, all walks of life and um, even like in Jamaica, right? Like there's poverty, yes. Um, but like not having money and not having something to eat or not having somebody look after you is two different things, right? Like, um, anyway, and you know, I don't know what David was into. I don't know what bro was on. And, you know, I, I do kind of lament not being able to be that big cousin and kind of check in with folk. But I got a lot of cousins. It, you know, what can I say? I got a whole, I have a whole life. It's a lot going on. So I can't always check in on my cousins. Um, the the moment when, like, I was, uh, I had my shit together for the funeral for the most part. Um, but when David senior um david is a junior david senior his father now uh big david is my like that's my big cousin um it's katara shanta and david and like shanta's closer to my age and katara used to be like watching us she used to be the babysitter um and david would just be in the basement i don't we i like, I don't think I knew what Big David looked like. <laughs> oh, my God. Hey, I didn't know what bro looked like for quite some time. Quite some time. I don't think, I, I think I saw him, like, maybe twice throughout my, like, 10 years of childhood while we was, like, getting watched over there by them. Um, that's wild now that I think about it. But anyway, Big David, you know, he came in, man. The, the family procession which was also a little awkward. Like I came up to walk in the family procession, but when I tell you it was so deep, I was like, let me go ahead and sit back down, man. Go ahead and sit back down and check everything. And then David walked in, big David, and screaming. Like you could hear him screaming as he walked in before he like passed you in a pew. And I'm not the person like looking back to see who's screaming. I thought it was a woman. I mean, you can you can think that's funny a little bit. It is a little bit, but at the same time, it's deep as hell. It's deep as hell. I thought it was a woman. Thought it was his mother or something. And then he walked past me, and I see it's Big David. I start crying. I bust out. Oh, oh, oh. 
such a such a somber thought and idea, right? To bury your son. I have two sons if you've kept up with the podcast and you know it you know it it makes me start to be like okay what do I got to do to make sure my son is and I don't want to be overbearing you know but like that boy going to come in with his pants sagging one day and I'm going to lose my shit you know I got to check myself now <laughs> you know so that um but no, no, no. It's it's just it's just one of those things, right? So I was crying. I couldn't take it, or you know, I was I was crying. Um, the funeral goes on, <laughs> y'all. I'm so glad I get to do this too. I hate funerals, like truly. I I don't think people hate funerals like I hate funerals. I really hate funerals. Like, not because. It's like the sadness or not because, you know, family gathering. Like, I love that family is gathering. I love that we are all here for each other in the grief of losing a loved one. Like, I think that that is necessary at the past, at someone's passing, right? What is unnecessary is preachers or the church, all right? When I tell you... I cannot stand the recruitment that happens at church at, at funeral at funerals from the pastor and each every single one of them does it right they hit you with the um when I am not in the flesh I am in the spirit of you know in the spirit I am next to the lord hitting all that stuff they hitting the uh Jesus hey y'all they said one of the preachers, you know, said Jesus has never lost a battle. He's never lost a fight. He's never lost a fight. He's never lost a fight. Started singing a song. He's never, he's never, he's never lost. You know what I mean? I like, bro got crucified. You know what I mean? He lost. He lost. My 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 cousin is in a casket in front of me and doesn't look nothing like he did when he was living. Doesn't look anything like he did when he was living. He lost. You know what I mean? This is this is not a like. Why are we here? Or, or why are, why are we here? I understand Jesus is your homeboy. I get it. All right, but I'm not. I don't. I'm. I really want to talk about my cousin. I would love to hear what his friends thought about him. I would love to hear like kind moments in his life. My cousin Shanta provided that. You know, she had a she she talked and or she spoke about it and it was beautiful and you know, definitely gave a uh a, a insight into who David Junior was, you know, little David was. And you know, uh they gave him so so much humanity, you know what I mean? It, it made him live a second time within my mind and my heart and it always blows me that like we get these preachers up here man they they give yourself to Jesus give yourself to God give your, like you got this pew I feel like Loki that they did it because all the young people that was in the crowd um cause since David died so young many of his peers were also young and it, it seemed like it was a recruitment tool 
but they don't even understand how alienated they making them them kids. They don't even understand how like they probably hated the funeral, and they there for they for they for their homie. Give one of them kids the mic. I don't care if he cussing his church. I don't care if he. I want to see a little boy cry, man. I want to see them kids cry. I want to see them kids really show me that they loved and cared about him because they was his second family. You know what I mean? Like the people that we surround ourselves with and the people that we do business with and the people that we like love truly, truly, truly. We see it on a daily basis. You know, those are our family. So that was his, you know, that was his family. I would have loved to know what, what, shoot, I would have liked to know the bad. I would have loved to know what he was into, what, what, you know, everything and anything. Just to give some context to my cousin, because I didn't know him. I didn't know him like that. You see, you see, you see your family at family gatherings, and you know, my family, I don't know. I don't know. We, we all, and not just this family specifically, but I'm talking about my like whole Kentucky family. Like I, the amount of cousins I got is low key ridiculous, and like the amount of yeah, yeah, yeah. It's just a lot to keep up with. So I wanted to use that time to get to know little David, man. I really did. You had Tim Finley speak. Now look here, check us out, 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 check us out. I have nothing against Tim Finley as a person because I don't know that brother. I do not know him at all. I will always hold some animosity, not animosity, but resentment, or not even resentment. Like it was a weak thing to do. Like it's a, it's a mark on his image in my mind. But when he ran against Shamika in the uh, most uh, recent election, um, he split the black vote in half, and the the church vote, right? He took that away from Shamika. Shamika had all the grassroots vote. She had the, she had all the. Like she had business folks. She she had a good backing, a great backing because she was on the ground and has been on the ground doing community work for quite I mean, decades. And Tim Finley has been a preacher for maybe a decade. And more than a decade, let me say I don't again, I do not know that brother. But you go from the pulpit to Congress or, you know, go from the pulpit to politics and it's like and then after it don't go well in politics, you go back to the pulpit. It's almost like, bro, who was in your ear? Who was telling you, hey, it'll be a great idea if you ran? You know what I mean? Or who was like, here's this check so that your church can get a new whatever. We just need you to run against a black woman. <sighs> Split the vote, Greenberg won. If you put Tim Finley and Shamika's votes together, if you add them up, they beat they beat Greenberg. And now the next four years are interesting to say the least. I'm not gonna talk about my political views on this podcast. Not like that anyway. Yeah, 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 yeah. Um uh this is interesting. So oh no, let me get 
I got thrown off by people. So he speaks, or he's he's speaking, and you know, I mean, I didn't listen. I was, I was out. Like when I heard like who was coming up in the program, I just took my smoke break. Um, come back in, he leave. They, I think they do like a song or something, and then another preacher comes up hit you with it like it's it's weird because they don't even do like a full five minutes like two preachers did a five minute set two preachers did like a three minute set and then two preacher and then like I, I don't know a preacher's wife it was musical selections it was a whole church service the whole goddamn church service man what the fuck is gotta do with my cousin and I get it, y'all. It's tradition. It's what we. It's what we grew up with. It's what we have made. But I said it once on this podcast. I'll say it again on this podcast. Don't y'all bury me in no motherfucking casket and have my ceremonies or my going away home ceremonies in no motherfucking church. Y'all better not do it. I, I want to be outside in some biodegradable bag with a tree on top of my ass. You feel me? Like, bury me before, like, just have the tree and shit ready and then have people collect. And we're going to barbecue, we're going to hang out, you know, let people, you know, take pictures with the tree, whatever they want to do, man. Talk, have a microphone, and just let it be there while people are congregating for, like, three hours. And let people randomly just go up on the mic. I was sitting there, and I just remember when Lance did, blah, 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 blah. And, and, And talk about the good and the bad shit, please. Please, because if I ever did you wrong, let people know. That's how I feel about it. I may not feel that I did you wrong, but chances are, you know, it's it happens so rarely. Maybe your shit is valid. And maybe your shit's not valid. Maybe you then start talking shit about me and get beat up at my funeral. It's a win-win situation, all right? Let me have that at my, at my uh, going away. <sighs> So uh, let me get away from the grief, politics, and all that real quick and get on some me shit. Um, recently, I've cut my hair. Dun, 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 dun. Cue, the, cue the sound effects. Brandon? Mm. Boing, boing. Chinka, chinka, chinka. Um, I cut my hair. Uh, and I feel great. I mean, like, great, great. Um, my neck feels amazing, amazing. Scale one to ten, it feels like a twelve. I have no, I haven't been able to turn my head. Like, I've got peripheral vision that I forgot that I had. Wish somebody would sneak up on me. You know what I mean? The 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 weight is gone. Um, but, and also like people really do not recognize me. It's, it's awesome. It's a, uh, I wish I, mm, I don't know. It's great. You know, uh, I'd be walking in to places and, uh, we was at the YMCA. I was swimming with the kids at the YMCA. Uh, and Latoya was working out and her instructor kept like inching out of her seat and looking down at the pool 
and like about to like leave the room and run down there. And she said, who is this man uh, playing with Kingston? Oh, he's touching it. He's like touching him. He's like, like playing with him. And Latoya looked down, started laughing. It was like, oh, this is daddy. He cut his hair. She was like, oh, he, oh my goodness, okay. And then at the other YMCA where they go to daycare, <laughs> I'm coming out with Corey and Lance. And, like, the staff members look at me real hard. And they're like, oh, oh, Lance. I was about to call the police. I'm like, who is this man trying to escape with these kids? It was funny. Another one, another one of the staff like looked me dead in my face. Like I know you. I was like, it's, it's I'm Cora's dad, Lance. She's like, oh my god, you cut your hair. Oh my goodness. So it's cool. It's funny. You know, it again, or not again, because I didn't state this before. But um, our hair or our appearance. Right. People store that in their memory banks, the way the world, the way the mind works, the way the brain works. You know, you attach images to persons and names and this this whole thing. Right. Like what is Lance without his hair for some people? And this is the only the people that have met me in the past eight years. All right. I've been growing my hair. I've really been growing my hair for like 10 years. I say eight, but I only say eight because I don't count the first two years because I wore a hat. <laughs> I didn't show my head. I didn't show my head for the first two years. But on that second year, boy, I had some inches. Um, but the people that have met me, you know, in the past decade, maybe, you know, they're real kind of locked in with the hair. But there are an abundance of people that knew me before I had locks. And. You know, they ain't flinch. They ain't flinch at all. It was like, that's what's up. That's what's up. My 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 day one niggas is like, about time. I was like, dang, bro. He was like, nah, man. What you trying to do? You know, you know, the hair is cool or whatever, but you know, got to be cleaned up, young man. And I was like, that's real. I can dig it. That's not why I did it though. Again. When I started growing my hair, I said that I would grow for seven years. And after seven years, I will see how I feel, whether I want to keep it or not. And it's been eight, you know, eight years. I'm smooth. I, I feel I look 10 years younger on God. I look 10 years younger, but I also feel younger, like. Every day I look in the mirror, it's a reminder of who I was, what I didn't need to be like an artist or successful or creative. And it reminds me about what I, you know, have yet to, what, what you know, what I could accomplish in the future. So I'm completely pleased with my decision. Um, my hair was not a vanity thing, even though I did look good in hair, cause my head is small as, as my head is small as hell. You could palm my head anybody, a baby, no, not a baby, but like a nice size ten year old could probably palm my head very easily. So, got a small head, 
so the hair help help fill that out a little bit. I was trying on clothes. I gotta I gotta buy new clothes. Like the hair Lance could wear big clothes because it was like loose hair, big hair, loose clothes, big clothes. But small hair Lance, he needs clothes that fit him. Otherwise, he looks like a teenager trying to you know you know wear his daddy's clothes. I went to middle school. I wore my daddy clothes. Um, yeah. Uh, so cut the hair. That was good. That's fun. Um, hmm, what else could I tell y'all about real quick? I told y'all, not necessarily. Going to be long podcast. I also have people, man. I got people uh, coming into... You know that I'm gonna be recording with and having guests on the show, so it won't just be me, y'all. I'm just trying to get my stuff together. Um, you know, keep giving y'all some good, good content in all the buckets in which I exist. I don't know what the hell's going on outside. I should have a hey, Mikey. You think he likes this segment? But I'm low-key tired. All right. Um, coming up, you got the K-Mac Slam. K-Mac Slam is Saturday at the K-Mac Museum, 530. It's the last slam of the season, officially. We will have programming the next few months for the summer. But as far as the slam goes, or the... Um, you know, actual competition of the slam. It's it's out. Oh shit. What am I I'm tripping. Hey y'all, let me talk about Louis Evolve just real quick, real quick, real quick, real quick, real quick. Louis Evolve, all right. Louis Evolve is the um the hip hop festival and the annual hip hop festival in Louisville, Kentucky. And I say the annual hip hop because you know, I, I'm pretty sure it's the only one and also ain't nothing like it. There's nothing like it. I have hosted, you know, nationwide competitions and festivals and twice. You know what I mean? I've hosted these things. I've hosted local ones where, you know, it's just internal. It is not a small feat by any means, by any stretch of the imagination. Shout out to Tay. Shout out to Vashti. Shout out to Dave. All right. These cats have really been putting it. And shout out to everybody else. I'm sorry if I don't know your name. You was integral. I'm sure you was integral um, in making Louis Evolve what it was this year. And I have, ne- I, mean, I ain't going to say I ain't never felt energy because I've felt many energies, right? I've never, but I've never felt it in Louisville. Like the energy that was given was this this direction I, I i can't explain it it's like everybody in attendance artists and audience alike like were headed in the same direction musically um mentally um like spiritually like music is you know of course the uh spirit maker the spirit soother the spirit translator right the mathematics of music is the language of god and 
is how we truly communicate. Louisville has so much talent. It's, it's, it's sad that more folk in Louisville don't hype it, you know what I mean, like they should. Um, we used to be a very hating city. Now, understand I have been doing art in Louisville, mm. you know, solid two decades, solid 20 years, solid, solid, all right? And before that, I just was getting whispers of the scene, and we have been, in the past, a very hating scene, man. It's very, like, mm. People always used to say it's the crab in the barrel syndrome in Louisville. Um, and I wouldn't say crab in the barrel, more like, uh, what's the dude from Belly when he was eating a banana? Like, mm, I don't like that shit. That nigga's doing good. I don't like that shit. It's more of that. And it'd it be because the smallest stuff because you grow up with the person or you've heard about the person or you have like one separation between you and another person like doing wrong by somebody burning a bridge or um you know this i say it all the time but the smallest things the smallest infractions or interactions bad interactions with people can last long in louisville so a lot of it is based on that to where we had our experience and it didn't go well and anything you do, you know, I'm not fucking with it. And not only am I not fucking with it, I'm telling the 10 people I know not to fuck with it. And those 10 people are going to tell the other 10 people not to fuck with it. And, you know, after five rotations, it's 50 people that's not coming to your show. Oh, because one hating ass nigga. And... It's a thing. It used to be a thing anyway. It used to be a thing. This uh, new generation, these uh, under 30, low-key under you know, 26 um, cats, they're not with the shits, man. They're not with the... It's like they never heard the term dick riding. Like that was not a popular thing in their uh, growing up. Somebody probably said, oh, you dick riding. And it was like, and they probably hit them with the, what's wrong with that? You, you you sound bigoted. You sound like a bigot. You sound homophobic, honestly. And, you know, they probably break a nigga down. So they didn't come up with that. Or they, didn't, they didn't grow with that ideology that you cannot support somebody without being, like, seen as a, uh, you know, groupie, quote-unquote, dick rider. Because um, have you seen the dicks? <laughs> I'm sorry, I had to throw that in there. Have, but seriously, the talent in the city—it's—it's it's worth it's worth a ride or two, you know. It's like there are people that are really creating avant-garde shit in the city, you know what I mean? Um, I'll make a list. Uh, I would like shout out everybody. I probably could real quick. Nah, 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 nah. Cause I don't want to forget somebody. It's, it's a lot of it's a lot of rappers in the city, a lot of singers in the city, a lot of musicians in the city that I need to give love to, and I'm I'm definitely gonna write that down, for, and I'll save that for the next episode. Um, but everybody did so well, man. It was such a great three day event. 
You know what I mean? Dope-ass wristbands, dope-ass venues. Shout out to Mammoth and Portland Portal uh, for having it. Um, hey, both of those venues, like, they're really doing the community outreach and opening their doors to something different. So shout out to them. Um, yeah, much love and more progression on everything that they start doing, man. Seriously. Um, the, I like, so if you look at the flyer, it says narrated by Mr. Spread Love and, you know, that's like a great honor. That's a, you know, I don't think I deserve such a introduction. No, let me say this. I don't think that I properly you know, fulfill that obligation of narrating because shit, I feel like I should have been hosting regularly, like next coming up to the stage is blah, 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 blah. But I'm gracious and, or I'm very grateful uh, that they did include me in that. And I performed, I did perform several, several times. And I hosted a poetry slam where we had three poets versus three rappers. And that was also very interesting. So, um, also, shout out to Lipstick Wars. She helped uh, Rihanna. She helped sponsor that. We gave away $150 to first place. We gave uh, $100 away to second place. And we gave uh, 50 bucks to third place. So it was a cool, um, cool, cool little session. We ended up having to have it in the parking lot because uh, people didn't know where it was at. So my bad, y'all. My bad. I was trying to have it at LVA's spot. Anyway, um, the first night, though, I was like the transition, the Louisville vibe was going on. And the Louisville vibe is a regular hip hop open mic here in Louisville. Um, they've been doing a lot of work, lead work. Uh, shout out to Sasha, Sasha Renee, even though uh, we ain't on speaking terms. And I don't know why. It's because of you. Just if you ever listen to this, uh, you know, I don't hold no grudges with people. Mr. Spread Love, man. People be like burning their bridge with me. And I'll be like, okay, all right. Oh, now let me say it. That's so funny. This is some tea too. But y'all, I think I posted, I would hate for like my daughter to idolize Cardi B. I think I said something like that because it was a video that went viral of her getting like dry humped, maybe dry humped uh, by uh, Offset is his name, I think. Uh... Or take off? Who just died? Anyway, her boyfriend, her husband, she was like getting dry humped. And I was like, oh, this is, you know, not a good look. Not a good look. And, you know, so she checked me and Sasha checked me. And then she stopped talking to me. Like kind of ended our our relationship, business relationship. I was hosting the vibe for, you know, a little stint. Um, and I was like, you know, whatever. <laughs> It's all good. Continue. So, you know, it's still no shade on the work. Like, I think that that's one thing about the Louisville scene that we need to kind of learn more or maybe we're starting to learn that, like, you can have a disagreement with somebody. That does not mean you don't recognize their role in the community or their um, hard work or their uh creativity it's like you don't have to down somebody 
for the whole of what they do and who they are. But you can definitely have a problem with the specific thing you have a problem with. And if y'all ever get to talk about it, like squash it or don't squash it. But like, um, we don't have to burn bridges in this city, man. People don't have to be so like caught up in the small disagreements or inconveniences. That's the problem with our society, I think, is that we, you know, we've definitely become temporary or, yeah, it's just temporary relationships. It's like, if you ain't serving the purpose I need you to serve, then you no longer, I no longer need to be, I can find something else, disposable, damn near, right? I can just get something else, and it's like, fine, you can do that, but, you know, you plant an apple tree, and it doesn't give you apples the first season, and then you chop the tree down, your dumbass missed out on out on a lot of apples because you was angry. It's like, you know, I'm more tactical or logical than that. So, I anyway, open. I was the transition poet or I was a transition person for that damn. Like after the vibe, and the, again, the vibe's all rappers. So then you transition to whatever's about to happen next, and it's a poet. When I tell you, I was, I was yelling my poem. I was yelling my poem. It it it, it did not make sense. Um, I f- I could hear people talking. I, I felt like, and I'm also an empath, so I can feel what people are thinking about when they're watching me. And I could feel people be like, you know, get this nigga off the stage, which is, which is, which is, uh, if you've ever performed or spoke in front of people, when I tell you, uh, bombing is a wild experience. It was uh, 2007. I went to the UK University of Kentucky Apollo night one of the largest shows, like collegiate shows in Kentucky. Um, And I performed a poem. And the Sandman was at rehearsals. And he said, bro, like, you are spitting some real shit. He said, that that poem was amazing. But I'm going to be honest with you, bro. They not going to be listening. They not going to hear you, bro. You might get booed. But I'm going to tell you, finish your poem, bro. Say that shit all the way through because I'm not coming to get you, bro. That was, and sure enough, did the poem, got booed. It's on YouTube. I'll post a link, maybe. Um, maybe I'll do that for the comment. That'd be fun. Yeah. Um, and, you know, it was my first time being booed. Booed by a stadium. No. Booed by a auditorium full of people. Full of people. Some people were cheering me on. There were. There were people that knew me and was cheering me on. And then there were people who, you know get this nigga off the stage and uh, it's a kill yourself feeling truly (laughs) it is man but it's either that or it's the other way right like you get that feeling for a second but then you get real hype me like they got me fucked up wait till you see me next time and I did go back the next year and win um so (laughs) there's that but uh it does feel bad in the moment. So in this moment, after I bomb at Louis Vuitton, 
um, kind of out of out of place, wanted to leave and just like be gone. And then I forgot that I was opening up for the homie Hendo Houdini. All right. Now, if you remember, I did a track with Hendo. Um, and if you've never heard that track that I did with Hendo, I'm about to play it because it's my podcast and I can do what I want. Fuck you mean. And it's a good verse, so, you know. It's a good verse. Mm, maybe I won't play it because I can't find it right now. Yeah. So I opened up for Hendo, which was great. Um, and it was end up... song though we ended up uh doing a different intro which was cool shout out to axel roley uh, producer rapper um that's another thing man louisville got some help hey boy the producers in the city my stomach just hurts just thinking about it that's how good they are that's how good they are they're amazing it doesn't make sense um but I did the opening, and that went very well. Different kind of setting. Uh, people's attention was in a different place. It was it was way better. So I got that redemption. Felt better about it. And then the rest of the festival went off without a hitch. Shout out to the living room. The living room did a wonderful, wonderful set. You should follow uh, the Louisville living room for your open mic and uh, just outing. They got like trivia nights. They got karaoke night. Um, check them out. They're very fun. Um, and shout out to Louis Volve. It's a beautiful thing, man. It's a beautiful thing to see see us come together. All right. Um, I probably got way more to talk about, honestly. But just wanted to get this up before the Wednesday ended. I do have things to do tomorrow. 
Um, thank you so much for listening to episode 58 of the Particle Sons podcast. Uh, more to come, more to come. Short-haired Lance has been released and unleashed into the world, and it is your problem, for sure. Bye-bye. said bye-bye but also want to say one more time man rest in peace to little david man man